and welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. My co-host for today's show is Darren Solden, our Vice President of Economic Development. Hey, Darren. Hey, Jason. I think we've got a great show today. We do. We have a great guest and uh, somebody that has some experience. You know, it's interesting. We have several board members um, who also have been staff members of the chamber, which is probably unusual for a community our size. But uh, we have a, a very special guest with us, one a member of our executive committee and former economic development staffer at the chamber, Stacy Colmeyer. Hey, Stacy. Hi, Jason. Hi, Darren. Thanks, thanks for having me. I tell you another interesting thing about Stacy as a guest. I think she completes our first ever husband wife combo. Oh gosh, I believe so. <laughs> I think because we, you know, we had Pinky on uh, earlier in the season. And so uh, I believe you guys are our first husband-wife combo. So congratulations for being a first. Wow. Thank you. I think. Well, we <laughs> talked a little bit about your husband, but talk a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in Manhattan. Um, I'm a lifelong Kansan. I grew up in a little town out in western Kansas, uh, Kinsley. It's out by Dodge City. Um, and so I came to Manhattan right after I graduated from college. I actually went to college down the road to the east for my first year at KU. And then I went west and I ended up um, at Fort Hay State and I graduated in business there. And then um, after doing so, I uh, looked for a job and I had no real you know, focus on a particular area, but I started out with uh, Kansas Power and Light back then, KPL, and ended up in Manhattan and it's been a wonderful place. And of course, at that time, KPNL was in the where the chamber is now, correct? Oh, yes. I actually sold that building oh, to okay. the chamber when I was the uh, manager for not KPL at that point. I think we had about five different names uh -huh. that we went through. And uh, yes, can you remember when that was, Jason? Do you remember? No, I don't. <laughs> I was, I, I may not have been born, Stacy. That oh, may have been no, before I was start. even born. No, it wasn't. <laughs> but it was definitely before I was in Manhattan. Um, so you're with Florence Manufacturing now. So talk a little bit about Florence and what your role with the company is. So Florence, and we actually go by Florence Corporation, but everybody calls us Florence I Manufacturing. I apologize for Oh, that. no, that's because we manufacture things. Um, and we're very proud of doing that. But uh, Florence came here 20 years ago next year and moved from Chicago. And our core business is um, centralized mailboxes and package lockers. And those are specifically approved by the U.S. Postal Service for delivery. So most people, you know, consumers, it's not a consumer product. It's a business to business product. And if you're in uh, development of, of, of single family or multifamily or commercial, you might know Florence because you would actually purchase those kinds of products for your, for your facilities. So apartment buildings, uh, commercial installations, and a lot of single family developments now have Florence centralized mailboxes. So that's our core and the largest thing that we, we make. But we also make software-driven um, automated parcel lockers too for package delivery because everything's all about package management these days. How do I get my stuff. Well, that's certainly a growing industry. And a lot of people who may not be aware of Florence sometimes know Florence by by the description of the big building by the airport. So exactly. so it's it's out there. And we've had Carrie Winter on uh, on the yeah. show as well because she chairs the Women in Business group for us. But, but Carrie's been out there 
um, for a while with you as well, right? Oh, yes. Carrie's a, a fabulous general manager, and um, she's our group general manager. And Florence is actually a part of a larger group of companies. Our parent company is Gibraltar Industries, um, and it's publicly traded under rock on the NASDAQ, in case you're interested. <laughs> but um, it, uh, it uh, you know, we are internally known as the mail and package group because besides Florence here we also manage a facility in Mississippi uh, that pumps out loads of the single family uh, mailboxes that you see in many of the big box stores the Lowe's and the you know the Home Depots and such plus uh, we also um, have our package concierge like I said our automated uh, package locker business too so that's our group and so it's traded under Rock R O C K R O C K. That's okay. Gibraltar, and there are you know Gibraltar. Many other. I see what I see yeah, what they yeah. did there. I got that one too. Yeah. Just to let you know. How about it? Yeah, we're slow, but but we can catch on sometimes. So you were actually engaged in helping bring Florence to town. So talk about that process. You know, I was. I like you said, I worked for utilities for the first seventeen years of my career doing a lot of different things um, in the business. And then um, took a little bit of time off. I decided to change careers. And and uh, and then a couple uh, months after I did that, there was a vacancy as the economic development director at the time. And I thought, wow, that's an interesting job. Um, and uh, that's a whole different, that's a whole different industry, Darren. <laughs> I learned a lot really fast. But, and Florence was looking, uh, they were in Chicago at the time looking to move and uh, came through the Department of Commerce. Um, and uh, started working with us. And, and it was actually, you know, Jason Hilgers, Diane Stoddard, Ron Fear, a lot of people that are around today, too, that worked with us to help bring uh, Florence. Yeah, so I got to know the company. And once they, they set on us and we went through that process, I think uh, they needed to move everything. And I'm a projects person, as you know, and uh, I worked with them on that. And once they said, you know, they needed assistance in the particular areas that I was working with, I was like, okay, I'll help you. And that's how I joined up with them because it really was from a change location management. Everything was changing about the company. Moving a manufacturing entity is not easy. It took us a couple of years to get everything out of Chicago area and here and a lot of other things in between. A lot of big equipment. And uh, Salah Butler was the president of the chamber at that time, correct? He was. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, a lot of people that we know. Absolutely. So, let's fast forward a little bit now and, and talk about Florence today and the Manhattan business climate. What are the positive elements and then also some of the challenges for a company like Florence in Manhattan? One of the reasons people selected uh, Manhattan for Florence back then was because of the people. But as I'm sure you heard from Carrie, too, and everybody else who's struggling with with uh, finding people, it's people. Um, so uh, the more people we can bring in and entice to come and look at this area, the better. Sometimes, you know, we're certainly at all levels because we have a, uh, we're probably around 300 20 plus now, yeah, I would say at there and, uh, you know, at all levels, we need people and we've hot, we've got a, a large number of people we've been hiring. Um, not, you know, I mean, again, in production area, but also in the administrative area and such. So I think that's probably something that we the struggle with the most, the air situation. We do do a lot of travel in and out, uh, with ourselves and then suppliers and such and partners that we work with. But that has really been pretty well taken care of with the airport. The way it's set up now has really made a huge difference. When I used when I first started 20 years ago and I had to go back to Chicago every other week and I had to go out of Kansas City for the most part, big difference. You know, this is so much easier now. I think it's a great place to have a, a, an industry like ours that where we truck. 
because we do truck all over the country. So that's a good thing. Um, but it's been built up too over the years. So I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's, you know, for the most part, a very good location. Obviously for Florence, we wouldn't have stayed here for 20 years and continued to build on it if we didn't really like the location and the people and everything else about it. I want to follow up for just a second on some of your comments about workforce because you said something very interesting and um, there is a misconception and, and I don't hear it as much in Manhattan as I do maybe in some other communities that the only way you can preserve and help a, a company preserve and attract new workers is to somehow restrict other businesses coming in because somehow that creates competition for employees. And we've sort of held the belief at in our economic development program that we have to generate more activity because that will get more people interested in, in locating in Manhattan. And so the question has been, do we do workforce or do we try to attract jobs? And Darren and I always answer, yes. Uh, it's both, not, it's yeah. not a, it's it's not not a war, or it's an and. And I mean, talk about that for a minute, because obviously it'd be easy for Florence to say, don't recruit anybody else in here. But I think you all have a bigger picture and understand that the more people that are that are here, the more opportunities there are to bring more people. Well, here. exactly. I can just say ditto to what you just said, <laughs> you know, Jason. There's been some exciting announcements recently. Um, and, and always when there's growth for other businesses, it's generally good growth for others. You know, it just builds on each other. So, no, the, the more we hear about other entities growing and adding people, the more it is attractive to so many different things. So yeah, we just have to build on each other and with each other. So as we see that kind of growth, we obviously want people to look at Manhattan and see Manhattan as an attractive place and see this region as an attractive place. Uh, talk a little bit more about what you feel makes Manhattan a great place to work, live, and raise a family. It's always individual to whoever you're asking that question to. But I'll tell you that when we first moved here, you know, out of college, 1984, I'll just say it out loud here, thought, well, we'll probably only be here for about three years, had that kind of, oh, then we're going to move somewhere else. But this place, you know, it, it attracts you, it, it grows with you, it evolves along every phase of our life so far when we were single and just having a good time out of school until when we had kids um, to, you know, now we're in uh, a little later in our years. Um, and then all, it's just been a great place. It really has evolved. And you look back of what we, what we came to in 84 to where we are now, and you ask anybody that, they're going to see that it's been a really great evolution. Does it, is it perfect? No, it's never perfect. I mean, it's a product. You'll hear me say that a lot of times about this community. I always look at a community just like I do products that we develop. We need to define what we need and then build it. And I really think that there's been a lot of people working together to do that over time. And the product of Manhattan as an area is just so much better, exponentially better than it was. And it'll continue to grow that way. So it's a great place. We've decided we want to stay and retire. I changed careers mid-career almost 20 years ago. And actually, my husband did too, pretty close to the same time. And we looked at each other and said, should we move or should we look here? And we decided to stay here because we like it so much. Well, that's great to hear. And we ought to find some marketing material to get you on saying that and <laughs> tell more people. So we're always look, obviously always looking for folks that want to want to come here at any stage in their professional career. You mentioned being here as a, as a young person and, and growing a career and you've taken and on- And now as an old person, I, go ahead and I say didn't, it. It's I okay. didn't say it in those terms. <laughs> um, but you've mentioned that uh, you've obviously taken on leadership roles 
roles in a number of different uh, businesses and industries within the community. What kind of advice would you have for a young professional that's just out there getting started, uh, particularly one just getting started in Manhattan today? In Manhattan or anywhere else, a young person just getting out and starting. The biggest thing I would say is look outside yourself. Look Look at the business from the outside in and just really understand, do everything that you can to learn, take on projects, even if things you think, oh my gosh, I don't think I should do that. Yeah, you might need to (laughs) understand the business and what drives the business, um, uh, the results for the business, whether it's an organization, nonprofit or a profit organization, whatever it is, understand who they're serving, what makes a difference, then look at what you do. You know, don't just put yourself in a little silo in a little location and just certainly got to learn all the specific things about your job. But man, just take on any opportunity to learn and um, and help other people in the business and the organization too. All of those things are going to give you more joy as well as help the business and help you grow and get and let you just do all kinds of things. So don't limit yourself just look at everything with a real open view. You know, Stacey, you were joking about being an older professional. Recently, we were at the ribbon cutting for the Flint Hills Volunteer Group, which is our great group of seniors and retirees that come in and help us on a lot of projects at the chamber and discovered that I was two years away from qualifying for that uh, for that group. And so I don't know whether I feel good about that or I don't know exactly hey, how to feel about that. Every face is good, that. Jason. I, I guess you feel that's good right. about it. <laughs> I guess that's right. Well, let's change directions just a second. So you made the decision this year to go on the executive committee, which means you're going to be the chair of the organization in 2025. So why did you decide to accept that position other than the gentle arm twisting from Wayne Sloan and myself? Ah. Well, you know, ever since I've gotten here, I mean, not it didn't take me very long to actually get involved with the chamber in my role with the utility company. And then I maintained that because I could see, you know, I could just see the real value um, to the individuals who are a part of it, but also to the businesses and to the community in general. Um, and I'm and I'm not just saying this because this is a chamber show. I think that I think that the chamber has the unique position of being able to bring entities together beyond the invisible boundaries that are so much out there in the, you know, the various entities of this is my area, this might be my county, this might be my city, this might be my region, this might be my customer base. And and the chamber has the unique ability to really bring people together to grow things and change things for the betterment of the community at large. And I use community loosely because community and the people and the businesses and such are outside the boundaries of the city of Manhattan. They are, that's why it's the greater Manhattan, right? You don't have a specific boundary. So I think the chamber does that. And if you can't tell already, I I really love that, you know, I love that aspect of being part of the chamber. And that's also what I look for in business that I work with anytime. So so when when I was asked to serve on the executive committee, I, I wanted to say yes um, because of that. I do I do really value that ability of the chamber to do that. Plus, my work on a day-to-day basis is completely outside of Manhattan. I don't deal with people in Manhattan. I deal with people all across the country in different areas. And so it helps me stay in touch. And then I can actually, you know, help give back in different ways. So that's why I'm there. And I don't know if you've thought about this yet, but the year that you're chair will be the 100-year anniversary for the chamber. That's amazing. And we've already started thinking about some of the things we can do. But is that something that you had thought about and is there something that you want to do that year specifically to recognize that 2025 jason (laughs) no i haven't thought about it but it's very cool that that's what's happening and in 2024 we'll have a very deep conversation (laughs) 
<laughs> about it, um, about defining what makes sense, you know, at that point in time to help again, you know, make the community better and for the businesses and everybody here. Well, we, maybe we'll get some examples of something you all are planning to do this year for your 20th anniversary at Florence. Do you guys have any special plans to mark 20 years or is it My just going to be? No, we haven't even talked about that. You know, we're working on a big enterprise system transition to SAP and we got to get that done first. <laughs> so just, so just normal, normal work then, right? Just is normal just- work, but yes. Yes, it'll be, um, gosh, you know, it'll be something fun to do that we'll, we'll definitely celebrate. It's been a good, good time. So one of the things in, that Darren and I both appreciate about you being on the executive committee, but even before then, you did a lot of things with us, is we can always count on you to, to make us show our work and make sure that we've <laughs> thought out our plans and, and our strategies. And, and that means a lot because it, it challenges you to make sure that you understand exactly what you're doing and why you're doing it. But once the decision's made, you're always 100% behind us. And, and so we appreciate your candor and your um, ability to, to make sure that we've done all we need to do uh, through that process. So thank you for that. So as you move forward to your chairmanship, and again, as you said, it's, it's three years away, but is there something that you have in your mind that you'd like to to work towards as sort of long-term goal for the organization? You know, I don't have anything specific, but uh, I think I've already mentioned it. I, I, I really like to look broadly at what it is, you know, what are the goals? What are the gaps? What do we want to be? What do we want to make? Whether it's a product, whether it's a business model, whether whatever it is. So I really, I really do mean it that, you know, the year before or so, I would want to have a, a, a good discussion with a good cross section of people that we could have that kind of planning and definition around. Um, I, I, I really um, totally believe in you don't get what you want unless you really take a little time to define that up front. And, um, and that will be a good process. And then we'll have a group goal. It's not going to be my goal. I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that. You know, it's not my, <laughs> it's not the way I do. I may lead something to, to do it, but it's definitely going to be a, it'll be a team goal. You know, whatever that happens to be could be a number of things. If it's not a complete agreement with the, with the group, then we'll do something else. We've talked about a number of things that have to happen before that time that you and somebody like Jake Wassenberg, who's the chair of the year before you are going to be very helpful on one is we have to update our economic development strategic plan. And, and uh, what does that look like? I don't, do we have to do a full blown strategy again? Do we oh, just, yeah. do we yeah. just update the one we have? You know, we've, as you mentioned, we've had a number of successes in the, in the business retention expansion area and business attraction areas. So do we pivot more to workforce and pivot more to, quality of life or do we continue to be out and aggressive and those i think those are a lot of things that your insight's going to be very helpful with well i'll look forward to working with people on it because yeah a, a plan is only as good as the actions to execute it the first year when i was economic development chair it was the first economic model with the city and, um, and so it was again it was the it's been changed and it needs to change as things evolve so that's always very exciting but that was really fun. You know, people look at me like, oh, my gosh, building an analytics kind of a model. I find that really interesting, don't you, Darren? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, it, and it goes to show how important those things are because that foundational work 20 years ago is is still a version of that that's used today and something oh. that we utilize on every yeah. every project that we work on um, that we're working with the city with. Don Wisman was on that, you know, led that with the group. I was, it was just amazing. So and much for fun. for those who aren't 
familiar with what an economic development model is, Darren, maybe explain real quick. What sure. That is. Uh, anytime we're looking at uh, a company, whether it's a, whether it's a company that's new to the area or someone that's growing, considering economic development incentives, especially the city's economic development incentives, uh, there's a return on investment model that's looked at and, and used as a, as a uh, consistent analytical tool when it comes to a project. And so that helps, helps those involved understand, um, A, how to deploy city resources towards a project, but B, helps vet projects and, and ensure that there's a consistent and fair process across across different projects. So well very, said. very valuable tool. That was very exciting to hear you say that. I know. He always explains <laughs> things better than I do. I, I'm like, it just Great. helps us decide the best approach to using public it funds. Does. So no, they, notice how that was gives succinct, you a database succinct and brief and tool, my description right? was not. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's time to look at that model again, right? Uh, we, we've talked about the last couple of years. It's a great model for jobs projects. But as we continue to really emphasize entrepreneurship in this process and or, or even things that spin out of the university, how do we make that model work? for yeah. those kind of projects because it really doesn't and it's not because you all did anything wrong it just was a different time and to adjust to sort of Everybody what the priorities are we now. have the same issue we have you know we do mechanical products largely mechanical products at florence but our, our ROI, our investment model doesn't work for our software products because it's very different. Uh, so we had to adjust all that. It's the same thing. It's just, you know, different application. Well, thank you for the conversation. We are now to the part of the program that we enjoy and we always learn things about our guests and it's the rapid fire okay. segment. We'll put you on the hot seat, start the clock and rattle okay. off a bunch of questions. So are you ready? I'm ready. I will fire away first. Question number one, what is your pet peeve? Oh, lots. No, I'm just kidding. Um, people driving slow in the la- left lane. Mm. 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 Me bad, too. Yeah. Me too. So what's your guilty pleasure? Oh, I'm a Hallmark Christmas movie fan. <laughs> you are not the first person that has said that in there. It's crazy. It's like a business. I think we've think. had four, maybe four people who have said that. The CFO of our corporate entity we found out we had that in common hmm. oh my gosh. that's hilarious so that might that might give us some insight <laughs> into this next question what's your favorite holiday actually thanksgiving because thanksgiving is very much a friendsgiving event and i love it what is something you always travel with uh my carry-on i do now ne- i never check a bag so that's just like bad i can go for a week to 10 days in a carry-on <laughs> that is impressive i, is I may impressive. have to, we may have to we may have to chat sometime about that yeah, i'd love to learn apparently you don't like shoes as much as my wife does that's yeah. i guess not we, we can't go anywhere without it's a, a control thing i know it is so what can i say uh here's a question that's near and dear to my heart what is your favorite flavor of ice cream peanut butter and chocolate that's an easy one man that's good that is a good i don't one. think i've ever had peanut butter oh and my chocolate gosh you don't cream. know what you're missing all right I'll have to check it out. It's out there. How about your best childhood memory? Friday nights with my grandma. Uh, when I was young, she gave me piano lessons on Friday nights, and I loved it. The piano lessons were okay, but what I really liked was staying up late, eating ice cream, watching Johnny Carson with my grandma. Oh, that's <laughs> it fun. It was fun, yeah. That is a great memory. So we are now to question number seven, which is a little bit of a cheater question because there's really two wrapped up in one. Uh, what is your first concert and your favorite concert? Oh, my first concert was John Cougar before he was John Cougar Mellencamp. And it was when I was in Hayes and he pulled up one of my best friends on stage with him. We were like in the first row. It was fun. That was first. What about favorite? It probably was my favorite. Um, I didn't, I haven't gone to too many concerts. Uh, Stray Cats was here once and I went to that and that was actually fun. 
So who is someone you look up to, Stacey? Gosh, you know, there's a lot of people, but I have to go back to my grandma. I'm telling you what, she was fierce. There was something about her that was just, she was very much an influence in my life. Very good. Well, we're going to wrap up with a couple favorite type questions. First off, what is your favorite meal? You know what? I love just cheese nachos with lots of jalapenos on them. I have to admit, isn't that just a trash meal? But it's so good. Are you plastic cheese nachos or no or real melted? real oh, cheese real melted yeah, cheese multiple is even better started with concerts graduated to nachos our 10th and final question in what has been a very fun rapid fire question session what is your favorite business book Gladwell is my favorite writer um, and I have a hard time going between outliers and tipping point those are probably my two favorites and they're so much fun I've actually read them a couple of times so that's kind of sad. If you can it? read a business book more than once, that is a it's really good business great book. great book. I call it a business book. It's really a, a life book, but it's a great business book. Yeah, I agree. Both of them. Mm-hmm. Stacy, thank you so much for being with us. I know we had a couple of false starts because of things that popped up, but it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And it's certainly, we're thrilled to have you on our podcast, Think MHK Podcast, and uh, excited to have you on our executive leadership team. My pleasure. Thanks, Stacey. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce.